Hi, this is Anne Philippi, founder of the New Health Club. If you want to know about psychedelics as new mental health tools, you came to the right place. I talk to innovators, thought leaders and disruptors, creating the future of mental health and mental wellness. And we think that the future is already here. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the New Health Club show. Today we are talking about cannabis. Yes, that's right. And it's not a substance we usually address. But here's the thing. Cannabis can be part of a mental health support system. And I'm very pleased to have a real expert on this on my show. Finn Auge Hensel, co-founder of the Sanity Group, which also owns the CBD brand Vey. I'm a big fan of their CBD night spray, by the way, and it's called Mind Cozy Backdose. But back to Finn. His tech career so far is already very impressive. He founded five companies, including the iconic Berliner Berg Craft Beer and so on. He's an entrepreneur and CEO for seven years with a strong passion and knowledge for product, brand, technology and consumer goods. But now he's fully engaging in the idea of cannabis as a tool to make life better and healthier. His company is developing innovative cannabinoid-based pharmaceuticals and well-being products, which should be widely accessible. I talked to Finn why and how cannabis can be a mental health support system, why the winner of this US election are new mental health drugs. We talk about his early days as a cannabis supporter in a German political system and why life as an entrepreneur is so much better and more fun if you have a real mission like Finn. Please enjoy the show. So um, this is our first um, The New Health Club podcast with a real person, guest, <laughs> since a long time. And I'm very happy to, to um, have Finn Orge Hansel, which means like he's a from Danish descent, which is always a plus. And um, so he's the co-founder of Vey, right? But he had already, I don't know, five companies, I think. And a five years experience in consulting consumer goods, insurance, pharma, like the whole kind of yeah um, tech world, you could say almost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, today uh, you're here uh, because you want to talk about vey and cannabis and CBD, of course. So, um, of course, we would like to start and want to know when was your first encounter with cannabis? Ah, <clears throat> so that's an interesting story because um, originally, I mean, uh, I grew up in a relatively conservative environment and uh, very early in my life, because I wanted to be politically active, I already became member of the uh, CDU, the Christian Democratic Union in Germany, the conservatives. And at some point, I became the leader of the Young Union, which is uh, the, the young conservatives in my hometown. And I had a member um, in, my, in my management committee of that group. And um, that member had a father who was an oncologist um, himself. And um, unfortunately, he became sick with, uh, with cancer at some point. Mm -hmm. And uh, my friend told me that he's going regularly to the Netherlands to... Um, to buy cannabis for himself. Um, and that was in 2002. And I was wondering, like, why would he do that? And then um, uh, the answer was very clearly because he's treating his pain and his um, his um, his other indications that he has with cannabis because unfortunately no other doctor wants to prescribe it to him. He can't prescribe it himself, but he sees a huge potential in the cannabis therapy. And that was for the first time in my life that I realized 
cannabis is not only a drug, um, it is also a drug, but it's also a medication. And uh, very often, um, the difference between a drug and the medication is the dosage and the therapy form. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, it really opened my eyes. And then I was talking with a lot of doctors, professors around me, and suddenly a whole new world opened up to me. And I was 17 at that point, and that really followed me for the for the coming years. So and then you you tried it with your friend just to test to how see it how it is <laughs> in a small dosage. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, during that time, every uh, everyone uh, more or less did that. Yeah. Um, but really, like for me, it was super interesting because there was one doctor that I also talked to um, in Schleswig-Holstein in mm -hmm. northern Germany who uh, told me that he is growing cannabis in his garden uh, mm -hmm. because he wants to supply his patients. And on an official way, he can't do it. So he needs to grow it himself. And then um, he gives it to his, uh, to his patients for free. And from that point on, I really realized for myself, wow, there's so much behind it. And it's almost like a secret society doing these kind of things outside mm -hmm. the the official regulation that this became really interesting for me that it's that it's that it has so much potential also in other areas mm -hmm. so but then you first after this you went off to work for a couple of other big yeah. I mean, one I mean, thing that I did is yeah. <clears throat> I wanted to force um, the Conservative Party to mm -hmm. accept that potential. Okay. So in 2002, I wrote a huge um, a memorandum or manifest uh, oh. on why cannabis is important. Mm -hmm. You can still find it in the internet if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you put it in the show it's, there's, notes. There's a German website called Cannabis Legal, and you can uh, re read mm -hmm. it all out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was basically fighting for it. And uh, to me, honestly, it was a huge success that end of 2002, um, the whole Christian Democratic Young um, Association met in Schleswig-Holstein, like almost 500 delegates in the room. And, you know, you can actually ask the this group to decide things, the delegates. And I wrote a, wrote my manifest and I said, I really would like to like us to support the medical use of cannabis. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, 20 years ago in the Conservative Party, that was actually a no-no. And uh, it was a huge fight. And like uh, everyone had the beer on the table and drank beer. And then mm -hmm. they said no to drugs. And they <laughs> yeah. said like, look, guys, you're consuming drugs like while we speak. Mm -hmm. So what are you saying? You're against drugs and then cheers. And then it was a huge discussion. And then at the end, um, at some point, the president said like, now we need to decide now. And uh, I was actually like in favor of an anonymous vote. However, he didn't uh, let me do mm. that. So it was a public vote at the end. And uh, it was only 60-40 against me. So 60% mm -hmm. said, no, okay. we don't want cannabis in any way. But 40% said, yes, it makes sense and let's do it. Um, and that was a huge success because that was something was even in the press the next day saying like, oh, wow, there's like for the first time like a significant uh, group within the conservative party that actually is opening up towards legalization. And that was very, very new during that time. And now, actually, these days, it looks a bit different. Even the CDU in many areas is already pro-cannabis, but um, that was my starting point. But I never followed it from a job perspective. I did mm -hmm. many other things uh, afterwards, but uh, but not focusing on cannabis. But, I mean, um, it's interesting that in Germany, it seems to be a specific um, kind of opinion towards decriminalization, legalization, a very strict one, mm -hmm. So, uh, which, of course, we will now maybe encounter again with um, maybe with um, mushrooms or psilocybin mm -hmm. as a possible <clears throat> treatment. But so why do you think, what's the typical German thing? Why are people so against these things? Because now, as we've seen last week with the U.S. election, 
even mm-hmm. people from Washington, uh, people from Oregon. I mean, there, there are a couple of further states um, already legalizing, uh, completely legalizing mm-hmm. cannabis on top of things. So, and uh, let's say the um, there are a lot of American articles that said like drugs are the winner of the yeah. election besides Joe Biden. So, yeah. why do you think here specifically in this country it's kind of difficult to talk about these things? I think, to be honest, it's deeply rooted in our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that Germans are very skeptical towards anything that involves risk. Um, Mm -hmm. We are definitely not a risk-taking culture in this country. And I think that's the reason why Germans, and you see like how many people save money on their bank account compared to other countries or how many people take insurance in Mm -hmm. Germany compared to Mm -hmm. other countries, it's much higher uh, than compared to the benchmarks. And I think it shows that there's a huge... Um, risk-averse DNA in our culture. I think if you would ask Germans, everyone would say like, no, 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 that's not me. Mm-hmm. However, if you see the greater <laughs> the, the greater population, you see that definitely the tendencies are like this. And I think that also is reflected in our medication laws, that we are very strict and very conservative on which medication can be marketed in Germany and which ones not. Mm-hmm. Same with, with food. Food safety is uh, among the strictest yeah. in, in the world in Germany. And I think the legalization of certain, um, let's call them drugs or ingredients or or new kind of like innovative um, um, plants that can be used for other for other um, things. I think we are very much conservative in a way that what we don't know, we are skeptical about. And I think that's deeply also rooted then in the parties, which are obviously a reflection of the of the population. Mm-hmm. However, Having said that, I think there's also a huge shift in the German population mm-hmm. about that. So if I would have asked the same question like 20 years ago, yeah. it would have been a clear no. Mm-hmm. Um, we with Sanity Group did a um, survey last year where almost about um, 50% were pro a complete legalization of cannabis and regulation. And then another 40% were at least for keeping the medical um, cannabis allowed. And only 10 to 20% were completely against it. And to be honest, I think it's a huge trend. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes the parties are a bit more conservative than the population. You saw this with with the same-sex marriage, Mm -hmm. where the population was already strongly for it. The parties were still arguing uh, year after year if that's a good idea or not. And I think um, sometimes the political parties are even more conservative and slower than the rest of the population. Mm. I think cannabis is kind of the same um, the same thing. It will take will take time, but one thing that the survey also showed us there is a clear a clear majority for full legalization under the age of 50 um, across all groups in Germany and it really goes down over 50. So you see the same in the US right now. There's a new yeah. survey. I think almost 80% of all Americans are now supporting full legalization. But you see it's really a big age difference. Like a, a, above 60, it's like mm-hmm. almost no one. And then under 60, almost 95%. Okay. And I think it's it's a question of time at the end of the day. Yeah, also, I mean, it seems that, um, like, I mean, if we talk about America, like this whole war on drugs thing is ending that was created by Nixon yeah. and then later on Ronald Reagan that just don't do it yeah. thing. Yeah. So, but I mean, um, I think also like that generation that you are like these people in, in that age group that you mentioned, I mean, they also obviously develop a new um, attitude towards mental health and how to treat yeah. their mental health with other substances than um, SSRIs or, or psychopharmaka in, in Germany. Yeah. So, and 
Um, if you if you read the um, mission statement of Sanity Group, which I find interesting, is that we believe that everybody deserves to live a healthy life and that you guys are developing innovative cannabinoid-based pharmaceuticals and well-being products as well as make them widely accessible. So that means... Um, You're also interested in, besides the, let's say, the lifestyle brand mm -hmm. way, which I use a lot uh, to go to sleep. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, this is how we connected on Instagram. <laughs> um, and uh, But I mean, so how do you think that cannabis and mental health, that, let's say, connection will develop in, in yeah. the future? This is what you guys are working on, yeah. basically. It's, it's very interesting. I think there are different aspects that you need to look at. Um, first of all, cannabis has a reputation problem. Because if you ask my parents or even their parents or if you ask the public opinion, what do you think about cannabis for mental health? It's by the, same, by the way the same. If you Google cannabis and mental health, the first 15 articles are all yeah. about the risks. Mm -hmm. So it's all about cannabis destroying your mental health. And I think that's still stigmatized. And uh, one of the reasons why people believe that is because the whole research and science that was done over the last 40 years was only about the risk of cannabis and never about the opportunities of cannabis. And I think that's maybe the very similar to psychedelics and also uh, other ingredients that are, that are seen as very risky by the population. And I think that's a big problem because that's the reason why also cannabis was never considered as a drug that could even help mental health. However, what many people don't know is that cannabis is also not cannabis. I mean, cannabis has more than 120 cannabinoids um, in there, which are active ingredients. And THC, the psychoactive one, is just one of them. Mm -hmm. There's also the assumption that some of the others are also psychoactive. But for example, CPD compared to that is not psychoactive. So I think you also need to differentiate that. However, um, What I strongly believe, and more and more research is coming there as well, that while today cannabis as a medication is mainly used for uh, for pain um, and pain treatment, um, the really interesting field is more everything regarding neurology, psychiatry, psychology. And you see um, there are more and more researchers starting that. So uh, there's just new two recent studies um, mm -hmm. that came from the U.S. about um, cannabis against PTSD, like post-traumatic mm -hmm. stress syndrome, especially with um, soldiers who were in Afghanistan and 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 um, and people who actually experienced really bad things in their life, and it suddenly shows that even cannabis can help there. Uh, we, for example, like look into cannabis, into psychiatry as well. Like we have like certain um, um, studies that we are looking at right now. There are also other studies that are saying that cannabis, in certain ways, can be even against schizophrenia, where other people still believe cannabis yeah. is only for schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. So I think at the end of the day, we really see a lot of big potential in the plant. However, the research is unfortunately very thin, especially in like in psychiatry. And the most of the research more at the moment goes into pain. However, I believe that mental health and, and, and psychiatry is a huge market for cannabis as well that we are not even like really tapping into right now. So, but for example, you work with a German um, scientist, Dr. Kirsten mm -hmm. Müller-Wahl in, in Hanover. Hanover, right? yeah. So, and she's, she's basically um, leading a department of psychiatry and yeah. so which 
is exactly what you're kind of tapping into. So, but what what is the what is the let's say the topic that you research with in her in collaboration with her? Like, could can you talk about that? Already? Yeah, I mean, like there are a few things. I mean, she is very strong on um, things like, for example, cannabis against ticks, like Tourette mm -hmm. syndrome, mm -hmm. and that's something very big. So she has really like amazing success stories with patients who had like um, uh, Tourette ticks every day, and since they use cannabis, they don't have it for years. Same as like uh, epilepsy, which can be also treated okay. by cannabis. But she's also looking into what I just said, like uh, schizophrenia and other mm -hmm. elements where cannabis can also do good. And uh, unfortunately, she's just one person in Germany who are um, who is a psychiatrist and and researching on that. However, if you see how what kind of role she plays internationally, there's almost everyone in the cannabis medical cannabis industry knows her because she's really like one of the few people worldwide who push that topic a lot. However, she's always complaining that. Unfortunately, because the market is not that big yet, psychiatry and cannabis is unfortunately gets the lowest amount of research money right now, while all the big research money goes into other um, indications like pain and, 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 and depression treatment as well. But the money that goes in depression treatment means that in, in SSRIs, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean well, even... <clears throat> it's it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's uh, for example, um, there's a study um, which was done by a few doctors in Munich, and what they found out is, for example, that chronic pain in 95% of the cases leads to depression, and if you right. treat the chronic pain not only with classic pain medications but also mm -hmm. with cannabis, the likelihood that you fall into a depression is. 60% lower than without cannabis. So basically, it's not really treating depression, but it's it's avoiding mm -hmm. to get mm -hmm. there at the first place. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I think is also extremely powerful. It's not per se mental health uh, as a treatment, but uh, mental health as a prevention, if you want to say it like this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually also something where we are just in the beginning to understand how, how yeah. things are working. Yeah. But I mean, when you say also like take cannabis, like in, in, in her, in, in Dr. Müller-Wahl's study, does it mean like people would smoke it or they would <laughs> eat it? Yeah, you know, there's a huge discussion right now. There was a, the, the German Greens put a put a law into the, into the parliament, I think two weeks ago, it was the cannabis control law. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to make cannabis legal again. And obviously in the German parliament that uh, initiated a huge discussion against between the conservatives and the green and the social democrats and the socialists. And the interesting thing is what you heard when you listened to the, to the conservatives, they are all very open towards cannabis as a medicine. Mm -hmm. However, they are not open at all regarding the, the way of smoking it. So they what say do they like, suggest? so they suggest, <laughs> no, well, they, they give this back to the industry and say like, you come up with ideas uh, okay. that people can use mm. cannabis for medication without needing to smoke it. Mm -hmm. We just have a certain situation that um, at least the, the research I know, you have a thing so-called bioavailability. So it means how much of the ingredient that you take in really lands in your system. And okay. <clears throat> the thing is when you, for example, have a cannabis <clears throat> pill that you swallow not the same amount of ingredient lands in your system than when you smoke it because yeah. your lung is very sensitive mm -hmm. and the lung is the best um, way to basically fast get an effect from cannabis. And the problem is that cannabis already is very expensive. That's the reason why the health insurers don't like it that much. However, if you then, instead of smoking where you have a very high efficiency, need to use pills or other things, 
then suddenly the efficiency goes down. So it means to get the same effect, you have higher costs. And that's the reason why the health insurance are currently not really into that kind of innovation. However, I think there are some um, some very interesting innovations on the way right now. We are also looking at many. Um, so for example, I mean, extracts, obviously one where you don't swallow, but you have your um, saliva in your mouth and they mix and then suddenly it goes via the skin um, into your system. Um, so the next one is, for example, a, a nose gel that some people use um, okay. because also you have very sensitive skin in your nose and it's it's easier to get the ingredient in. We, for example, look very strongly into how would alternative ways to consume cannabis with your lung in it without smoking it, like uh, no combustion. So, for example, like an asthma spray or something. So I think there will be innovations over the next years. The question is only... Obviously, the, the the politics are always asking for finished pharmaceuticals. So they want you to do a phase one, phase two, phase three right. trial, spend 50 million euros. At the end, you find out 50% chance that you have an evidence <laughs> or not. And then you either have 50 million sunk costs or if it works out, you have a medication. But then at the end, if you have a medication, the doctor still says like, well, why, why are the people not just smoking it? It's so much cheaper. So that's kind of like um, a problem in Germany because... The unfinished drug, as it's right now, is already accepted, and it's really hard to go from that point into a finished pharmaceutical point. There are some examples, Epidiolex or Zativex are both from GW Pharma, good examples, but it's a real question where this whole market will go. Will it all be finished pharmaceuticals, or will mm -hmm. it become raw materials like extracts and, and, and wheat or flour that basically um, are for a broad spectrum of indications? So, but uh, I can't answer that, and uh, it really depends on, I guess, the next political uh, political uh, election, and see how that goes and how the different parties are forming the coalition. Because mm -hmm. if you ask the Greens, they want everyone to grow their own cannabis in the garden. When you ask the the Free Democrats, they are also pro cannabis, but they say no, only packaged goods, um, controlled by the industry, and ideally yeah. finished pharmaceuticals. So, it's a huge spectrum right now. But I mean, it's not unlikely to psychedelics where you can, you have like the nature people saying that well, you can only do mushrooms that are kind of grown in nature and it's a total yeah. nature plant medicine thing. And then at the same time, like for example, um, yeah, I mean, you have it with a ketamine as a nasal spray. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a very good tool to actually take it, f to have it for people who maybe can't go to the clinic or uh, although you have to go to a clinic mm -hmm. still to do even two sprays, like two pumps of a spray. Yeah. But still, I mean, there's also like a development how you can use it like psychedelics differently than just swallow your mushroom. Yeah somewhere so yeah it's it's a very interesting question that's also relevant for cannabis right now it's a question mm -hmm. natural against synthetic mm -hmm, um, exactly. and the conservative medical community and the politicians obviously prefer the synthetic yeah because they say that has nothing to do with the plant anymore and the plant mm -hmm. is bad um, while most of the people who who at the moment experience positive effects from cannabis they completely swear on the plant so, and one of the reasons is, and that is also, um, maybe it's the same in psychedelics, it's the question, if it's just one ingredient or a mix of ingredients. Mm -hmm. So, for example, as I said, the cannabis plant has 110 um, cannabinoids and another 200 terpenes in there. Um, if you do a synthetic, you only can create one cannabinoid at a time. You either have CBD or you have THC. And what many patients, but also doctors are saying, it's the combination of all those that is treating your 
your pain or your your indications. And it's not just the one THC and the one CBD. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge uh, argument in the medical community right now what is true and what's wrong. However, there are examples where, for example, synthetic um, THC is not working as strong as the plant. And the people who are in favor of that call it the entourage effect, um, saying like this is not only the one thing, it's it's the the combination. But that's also, I think, something where science needs to do much more research to see if that's true or if that's just anecdotal evidence. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, again, I think we're just at the beginning and yeah. similar to psychedelics. I think there's a lot of positive news and anecdotal, very good mm -hmm. results, but very few little huge studies with 10,000 of patients where you really have a clear evidence from it. I think as long as we unfortunately don't have them, it's always hearsay and the scientists arguing about it. Yeah. But I mean, what's what you can already see with cannabis, like in the last couple of years that, I mean, especially in California, where it became like a, a really big lifestyle industry. Yeah. Like, I mean, like when even like Before we did the interview a year ago, I wrote a big story in an FAZ about the new cannabis luxury world. Yeah. And suddenly there were gummy bears in luxury hotels with infused yeah. <laughs> cannabis. <laughs> and like um, you, you would drive into LA and there would be like bikini girls like all over as advertising, yeah. uh, making like advertising for, for Mad Men, like and at the Mad Men show, like. M-E-D, like yeah. medicine yeah, man, exactly. basically, or um, many of these <clears throat> brands. So, and I mean, then you basically, you were the first one in Germany or maybe in Europe that kind of translated the whole mm -hmm. CBD thing into a similar, like bigger idea yeah. of a lifestyle brand. So, yeah. and how do you kind of, yeah, let's say make that connection between uh, something like that we just talked about, like that it's a very let's say, serious substance also to heal things mm -hmm. into a, yeah, kind of a um, fun Apple yeah. Store thing. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, I think uh, that was one aspect that I forgot earlier. And mm -hmm. I think uh, hopefully when I tell you now, it makes perfect sense. But the interesting thing is um, Mad Men, the company you just mm -hmm. uh, mentioned, they had an advertising which I loved two years ago. And the advertising was called Not a Stoner. Mm -hmm. And what they basically did, they were um, fighting against the stigma that only completely stoned people who want to completely leave this world um, on the couch um, are taking cannabis. But what they wanted to portray was also that normal people, firemen, um, policemen, doctors are taking cannabis in the evening to get relief from the stress they get over the day. And to be honest, I think that's my strong connection to mental health, because mm -hmm. if you see why are people having mental problems these days, they don't have enough sleep, they have too much stress, and there's almost a one-to-one -one, um, um, relation between stress and sleep levels and mental health problems that are following afterwards. It's obviously not the only reason for mental health problems, but it's definitely one of the big reasons. And if you position cannabis as something that relieves you from your stress and helps you to calm down in the evening um, to basically have a better feeling before you go to bed, then you, I think you can make this kind of connection very strongly because that's why people meditate. That's why people go to the spa. That's why people actually um, do yoga is because they need to get a, to get a like kind of um, um, a balance between their busy life and calming down and having their me time. And I think cannabis even though not seen as a medication, can do that um, and not even and coming back to depression and, and chronic pain, 
Um, it will not actually probably treat a depression, but it might help people who are under stress not to even get a burnout or not to even get yeah. depression. And I think that's, I think, a very good connection. And uh, the way how we position Vi is definitely as a healthy brand and really like get your sleep, have your me time, ideally do yoga at the same time, do sports, do meditation. And as I said, this madman campaign, not a stoner, portrayed like policemen who just do it after work, after a stressful day. And they portray doctors who had a strong operations and, they, and then they want to calm down afterwards. And I think that's the future, to be honest. And I also think that's the majority of cannabis mm -hmm. users in 20 years from now. It's not the people who are maybe compared to alcohol, the alcoholics who just try to leave the world for one day and then they do it again. It's the people who just do it on the side and say, like, I need a, I need a break now. And there are a few very good American companies like Dosist, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, it's little like vape sticks where very low levels of THC are in. So you can't even get fully stoned with it. But it's something you take on the side or in the evening when you just want to have your, your little portion of de-stress moment. So, I mean, I also think that we cannot function anymore in the world that is here yeah. <laughs> without support, other support systems, because the people always had support systems yeah. like or substances in a weird way, if you want to call it like that, because it was never, there was never like a situation. And you sometimes think that if you read articles and media saying like, yeah, why do we need all this stuff today? Because it was ne there was never a situation where people didn't have yeah, substances, yeah. support systems or like um, situations where they yeah. could actually check out or relax or something. Yeah. It's actually funny because shortly before you walked in, I just um, saw the, the headline of an article in, in Die Zeit, um, an article about a teacher who um, actually said he would do, he would have to do cocaine every Monday before he goes <laughs> to school because he couldn't handle anymore his... Wow. Uh, um, difficult kind of customers. I know that from other jobs, but not from yeah, teacher. but that's yeah, exactly. But that's interesting. You think, well, that guy's a DJ. Yeah, of course, that yeah. guy has a club. I mean, not now, but in general. Yeah. So, and <clears throat> I find it interesting that there's obviously a very hidden mm -hmm. need for um, either a kind of relaxation mm -hmm. or a kind of uh, concentration on things or just stimulation, how, what, I mean, whatever field you want to address on your emotional yeah. scala. It's, it's maybe I'll give you one example. Um, so besides many other things that I'm doing, I have a small beer brewery, um, doing craft beer here in Berlin. And when we actually looked at the market of beer, it's already like uh, six years ago now, um, we looked at where is the majority of beer or where do the people drink the majority of beer? And our assumption was, oh, it's the weekend, it's the parties, it's the club, it's the soccer games. But not at all. The majority of beer that people drink is after work at home alone. And why do they do that? Because they had a stressful day and they need something to calm down in the evening. Mm -hmm. And now, basically, if you look at Canada, um, you see where cannabis became legal, the mm -hmm. beer consumption went down. And there are even like uh, doctors and, and health insurers saying they are thankful for every um, Canadian citizen who is smoking a joint in the evening instead of drinking a beer. Because you may say about cannabis whatever you want. and It's definitely dangerous if you dose it wrong or if you take it too early in your life or no matter what, there's definitely risks attached. But the risk of a portion of cannabis compared to a portion of alcohol is much lower. And that's the reason why 
In my opinion, uh, it's also inconsequent to to have alcohol allowed and cannabis not. However, that's maybe also the reason why many beer companies invest into the cannabis market, like Constellation Brands, for example, in the US. Mm -hmm. However, I strongly believe that that people need this relief. And at the moment, they take it from alcohol or from nicotine. And by all research I see, cannabis is the the, the healthier version of that. So, mm -hmm. so why not position it as something like this? And is there something like cannabis therapy because there's ketamine therapy there's lsd therapy there's psilocybin therapy is there any anything like i mean uh, there must be like a couple of like a therapy movement yeah that might include cannabis right yeah i mean like to be honest um there's for example it's it's not allowed in germany but in the us or in canada or also in australia you have a lot of cannabis clinics And these clinics are not um, there to give you cannabis and then leave you alone, but it's really about a long-term treatment. So the whole post-traumatic um, mm -hmm. stress disorder or something, that is all a long-term treatment of uh, of a cannabis with a cannabis therapy. And I think um, because cannabis doesn't have this one ingredient like many psychedelics do, like, I mean, uh, ketamine has ketamine, and that's that's it. Um, in most of the time, so I'm not an expert there, but uh, most of them has only one ingredient. Cannabis has so many, and different combination of different cannabinoids can treat different things. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why I think there is no cannabis therapy per se, but there's a therapy where you use cannabinoids to treat certain indications over a longer period of time. And I think a combination of CBD and THC, for example, for post-traumatic stress disorder is, for example, a very, very good therapy. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that means like um, you would have like talk therapy, like combined with a longer, yeah, exactly. a longer. Um, yeah, psychologists are doing this for you, mm -hmm. and then basically you you take it. I think at the beginning together with a with a psychologist, and then it's okay, a longer period of time where you basically then tell the psychologist about how you develop and what you experience. So mm -hmm. maybe it's not hundred percent comparable to to what we call psychedelics in the medicine, but it definitely is a similar direction. So that's the thing. Is it a psychedelic or is it not a psychedelic? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, um, <laughs> cannabis, especially if you use cannabinoids in a very strong dosage, definitely works like a psychedelic. Mm -hmm. There are some um, scientists who say it's a different category because the way how cannabinoids work is still very different from the way how psychedelics works. So we have, for example, it's it's it was researched in the 1990s in Israel. Every human person has an endocannabinoid system with so-called cannabinoid res uh, um, 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 receptors, CB1 and CB2. And what also many people don't know is that your body itself also produces cannabinoids. And mm -hmm. um, for example, what happens when you smoke marijuana or smoke cannabis or you take it, the cannabinoids of the plant are docking into your own body and the cannabinoid system. And that's a very unique way of working. It's similar to the opioids, uh, working mm -hmm. with the opioid system. And psychedelics work in a slightly different way. And that's the reason why um, many people say cannabis can be a psychedelic because the way how it works is similar in terms of the form, like as you dose it high. However, the way how it docks into your body mm -hmm. is very different. And that's the reason why there are some people who say, yes, it is, and others who say you don't. I'm actually rather thinking about cannabis as a form of psychedelic. Yeah, I mean, makes sense, kind of. But so coming quickly back to Germany, what, what do you think would have to happen to have a real decriminalization <clears throat> happening here? That you could actually use it, like I mean, like in a similar way that yeah. that Washington, for example, was. Yeah. So to, to be honest, it's mm -hmm. it's three factors. Mm -hmm. One is 
um, which parties will get into power. Mm-hmm. The second question is, will there be a development within the parties? And the third one is, what are the overall global priorities? So first one, obviously, if you take a snapshot of today, if we have a left coalition um, next year with the Greens, the Socialists and the Social Democrats, I think that would almost be, um, I don't want to say a sure thing, but it, I think there will definitely be something happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people don't know that the Free Democrats, the Liberal Party of Germany, is also pro-cannabis. So if it's a Jamaica coalition with the Greens, the Free Democrats and the Conservatives, and it's not that the Conservatives have the clear majority within the coalition, I think there's also a strong chance. I know that in the last Jamaica negotiations, it was already a topic um, that the Greens brought on the table, uh, supported by the Free Democrats. However, if it's at the end a very strong conservative party with a very small Green party on the side or a very small Social Democrats on the side, then I think it's it's rather unlikely that something big will happen. Then the second question is, will something happen in the parties? I actually see, for example, the, the youth associations of the of the CDU, of the conservatives, are more and more in favor of legalization. For example, in Berlin, um, they decided for it, I think in Brandenburg as well, um, the the union of the um, conservative students <laughs> also just, it's, 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 you're, you're laughing, but it's actually quite big. It's like uh, tens of thousands of students okay. uh, in Germany. They're also for legalization. It was a huge uh, discussion mm. within the party uh, about six months ago. So there is also movement in the parties. However, I think that's slower mm-hmm. than the movement that could happen if there's a different coalition. And then the third thing, and that's my big concern, is the global topics. Mm. So, for example, the biggest advocates for legalization of cannabis in Germany are the Greens. Um, and the Greens are the natural party that you talk to when you want to discuss how to legalize, what do they think, and how do they do it. And to be honest, it was always among the top five priorities, as long as you look back. However, now with the climate change being like the big number one topic, if you think the Greens will go together with the Conservatives, the Conservatives will say, I want this from the coalition. Then the Greens can say, yes, but I want this from the coalition. And then the Conservatives say, I want this again. And then it's a negotiation. And the question is, how many compromises do you do? And my big fear is that cannabis will something that will be fall off the table um, in a kind of compromise. That the CDU will say, we only do climate change initiative ABC mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you don't force us to legalize cannabis. So I hope I, I actually like um, expect that it might become a negotiation token. And that the pro- uh, not the problem, but the the, the fact that the uh, that the global warming and the climate crisis is so much on top of the agenda. Um, the Greens will be willing to let go of the cannabis topic if they can get more content from the from the um, climate uh, climate. But would it be actually? Way. Wouldn't so it's not decriminalized yet, also in Germany, right? It's it's, uh, it's uh, as many things in Germany. Yeah. It's a gray zone, yeah. um, similar to CBD. Mm-hmm. First of all, many all the different um, states in the country handle it differently. So in Berlin, for example, yeah. you can carry up to 15 gram without g- getting prosecuted by the by the state attorney. Um, in Bavaria, I think it's six grams. Yeah. Okay. So there's no unique German way of, mm-hmm. of handling it. Um, I think that would be a good starting point, to be honest, um, and ideally not six gram, but maybe a different amount. But um, that is something where I think we need to we need to also um, um, do a lot of things to not only bring it on the political agenda, but also harmonizing between the different states in Germany.
So it could the first step could be legalized in Berlin, right? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, it's, it, <laughs> I also think like we always say we are a federal country um, where mm -hmm. where the federal states have so much power. However, if you compare us to the U.S., where Michigan can just decide to legalize yeah. cannabis, yeah. no matter what the others are saying, mm -hmm. or now New Jersey, unfortunately, that's not possible in Germany. Uh, Berlin tried it, I think, already four times. Mm -hmm. um, Schleswig-Holstein thought about trying it, and I think there are at least two to three other states. And it's always the federal government who says no. So if we would have the same system like in the U.S. that the states can decide themselves if they want to do it or not. We already would have states in Germany that that have, would have legalized cannabis, uh, at least in model projects. Mm -hmm. um, however, that is unfortunately not happening right now. However, that could be a compromise in the next election that, for example, a new government would say, okay, we don't want to legalize it per se in all Germany. However, what we allow is that states who have a majority for that Are, can do model projects or er, experiments with that. And to be honest, I think that's a very likely case that a, that a state like Berlin then can potentially say, yes, we want to try it out. Plus psilocybin. Plus psilocybin, yeah. I mean, <laughs> a dream, a dream place. <laughs> <laughs> This is what we're working on. Yeah. Um, but um, we have to talk about one time, at least about your, one of your investors called Snoop Dogg. Yes. <laughs> Did you ever meet him? Is like the question. Yeah, no. He, he wasn't. He was in a, in a call. <clears throat> oh, really? Um, but unfortunately, I was not part of that. Um, so. I mean, I don't know how much is he still involved in that mm -hmm. investment fund. Um, I hope he knows that, he, uh, <laughs> that there's investment in us, but uh, I'm not 100% sure about that. So unfortunately, Snoop Dogg <laughs> is not very um, active. Mm -hmm. However, there are other prominent investors that we have, like Scooter Brown, the manager of, right. of Justin Just Bieber. So he is more active. So okay. uh, there's emails, there is actually phone calls. However, since uh, this investment round happened just before Corona, mm -hmm. there was unfortunately not, not able to travel. But because we always wanted to meet our investors in the US um, after the round, but unfortunately it wasn't possible because of Corona. So hopefully, um, if the vaccine goes through now, uh, that will be hap happening next year. So you're going to meet with Justin and Snoop Dogg. Yeah, let's see for dinner. Okay, <laughs> have a big party with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one should, we should mention that you just raised a very big round of investments. So yeah. we just. Um, it seems like we're talking about a little company here, but it's actually on the way to become a really big. Um, player. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I think that was amazing. Very interesting. Very interesting details that um, most people, I think, haven't heard about cannabis. Or like, let's say the, the focus right now is maybe on other mental health um, SSRIs and so mm -hmm. on studies. But I mean, I think mo most people never really heard of the possibility that or like the the other options that cannabis could actually provide also in terms of pain management. Yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, thank you so much for being no, here in person. And uh, <laughs> I think psychedelics and cannabis and the medicine go hand in hand. So uh, totally. let's keep in touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.